1: This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melviewer. Thanks for joining me today. And a busy, busy show uh, lined up for you. Uh, Going to have Mike Leone on from uh, DailyRoto.com a little bit later on to look at uh, tonight's slate. Actually, it's a great day because we got a good number of day games, and yet we got a pretty healthy nighttime slate. Uh, so whatever you're playing, weekly, daily, DFS, uh There's a lot of stuff to dig into uh, on today's show. So looking forward to uh, Mike's return to the show. Uh, We had some uh, great uh, pitchers going last night. Your fantasy aces, Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber. Uh, We had the return of Madison Bumgarner, uh, return of of, uh, Carlos Martinez. Uh, So we had kind of a mixed bag from your fantasy aces. Uh, Those have been around and those who were returning. Uh, but we also got some maybe unexpectedly great performances as well. So as far as the pitching goes from Tuesday night, there's going to be an awful lot to talk about here uh, and uh, quite a bit of news to get to as well, which I'm going to do right now. Uh, the first two items we're going to talk about actually do relate to prospects. I let off uh, yesterday's show talking about Vlad Guerrero Jr., with uh, some excitement and some enthusiasm because there had been the report that he might get promoted up to AAA uh, within a month or so. And today's news is less good, uh, although not as bad maybe as originally feared. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did leave uh, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats game today early. Uh, Turns out he's got a leg injury, uh, but uh, so that's the bad news. The good news is that he's expecting to uh, miss only one or two games, uh, that that coming uh, from the Toronto Sun. So, uh, you know, maybe that doesn't even slow down his clock for uh, moving up to AAA and, you know, maybe the major leagues, although, uh, you know, don't know what the, the Blue Jays' plans are in that regard. But a uh, little bit of a setback for Vlad Guerrero Jr. Uh, some very good news for Jalen Beeks. And those of you who own him already in fantasy, he's going to be called up to start tomorrow. That's Thursday for the Red Sox against the Tigers. He's having a a sensational uh, breakout year at AAA Pawtucket. He's got a 2.56 ERA. He has a 35% strikeout rate. And, uh, you know, those are two things to really like a lot. And unlike some of the recent call-ups like uh, Dennis Santana and um, uh, with uh, uh, Bieber in in, uh, in Cleveland, and uh, I know I'm leaving another one out, um, but in any event, a lot of these these recent prospect call-ups, there's uh, not necessarily a permanent place in the rotation for them. Uh, and I don't know there's a permanent place for Jalen Beeks, but he is taking an actual rotation spot and not just doing a spot start because the Red Sox put uh, Drew Pomeranz on the DL uh, backdated to Saturday with left biceps tendonitis. So at least there's the possibility there for Beeks uh, to not just be one and done, but we'll see how, see how he does. Uh, on Thursday, a very exciting call up there. And so, as I mentioned, Pomeran's on the DL. Also, Chris Archer, not totally surprising, but uh, Rays finally did put Chris Archer on the DL uh, yesterday. Actually, this happened right as the show was ending, so I didn't uh, see this until right after the show. So I'm sure this is old news to, to most of you listening, uh, but uh, he's had the left abdominal strain. He was considered questionable to make his next start, so now it's definitely not happening. Uh, but again, the relatively good news there in regard to Chris Archer is that, according to the Tampa Bay Times, that uh, he may be out just for uh, two weeks and possibly less. In fact, the way it was stated in the piece in the Tampa Bay Times was two weeks maximum. So, again, I don't know how much skepticism you want to necessarily place on that, but uh, that that uh, sounds like an, uh, an optimistic report. So we can run with that. Uh, also. Related to the Archer uh, transaction going on the DL, the uh, move that the Rays made roster-wise was to promote reliever prospect Diego Castillo up from Triple A Durham. Uh, now, obviously, that's not going to solve the issue of uh, you know finding a replacement for Archer in the rotation. That's going to be Matt Andres either as an actual starter or uh, following up on an opener, much like the uh, the Rays. Did today where they had John, Johnny Venters go against the Nationals. That hasn't worked out so well, by the way. Right now, Nationals are up 10-2 to two on the Tampa Bay Rays uh, at Nationals Park. And I'm uh, just taking a look as uh, as of a few minutes ago, uh, Ryan Yarbrough was still in that game and pitching pretty well. But no, it pe- appears that he uh, had a, uh, a meltdown uh, earlier in the bottom of the sixth. So Ryan Yarbrough is out of there. Was going well for him, but uh, he his final line, five and a third innings, five runs on 10 hits, yikes. Uh, but didn't go well for Johnny Venters. Only got one out and was charged with five runs on three hits and two walks. So uh, certainly this uh, opener experiment in uh, Tampa Bay is, I think you could say maybe generalist, generously having mixed results. But however uh, Kevin Cash chooses to deal with it, it's going to be uh, Matt Andres taking over, I guess, the innings for Chris Archer, even if technically it's not taking over the start or the place in the rotation. Uh, so those are a couple of impacts of the DL move Is D- Diego Castillo's up. Uh, Matt Andres is going to get some innings. Uh, but also in the same piece from the Tampa Bay Times that dealt with this DL move for Chris Archer, uh, it was speculated that this Castillo promotion is more significant than it might appear. Uh, on the surface, you might say, okay, well, he's a he's a good relief prospect, but what does that mean for fantasy? Well, it might be a signal that the Rays are ready to start calling up their prospects, and it was speculated that the next one up, and maybe very soon, is Jake Bowers. Um, Brad Miller is, uh, has definitely been a, a disappointment, uh, offensively and defensively. And uh, the Rays may be willing to move on, not only in terms of bringing up Jake Bowers, but maybe uh, releasing Brad Miller. So this is, again, all just what's speculated uh, in the Tampa Bay Times. But as for Bowers, not a lot of, of power for a first-base prospect. He does have five home runs this year, which is, you know, not uh, too impressive at this point in the season. But he's bagged 279, and he has stolen 10 bases, and he stole 20 last year. So... um You know, it's not often that you go speculating on a first base prospect for steals, but this is a case where you actually could and probably should do that because it sounds like Bowers is going to be up very soon. And there's really not much of a roadblock there. It sounds like uh, the the Rays are pretty much done with Brad Miller at this point. So pretty interesting developments there for the Rays, uh, more than just going beyond Chris Archer, going on the DL. Anderson Simmons left the Angels game early last night. Uh, He has been diagnosed with a sprained right ankle. He was on crutches after the game. Uh, he also uh, told the Orange County Register that he is hoping to avoid the disabled list, uh, but does acknowledge that uh, it's possible uh, that uh, that could happen. So probably going to be at least a few days off for Angelton Simmons. But uh, let's uh, keep on the lookout there because a DL move may be in the offing for him as well. Jamer Candelario came out of the Tigers game yesterday with... Uh, Uh, An injured right hand, uh, according to the Boston Globe. So I am assuming that's a day-to-day situation. I'm not seeing any sort of definitive timetable for uh, Jamer Candelario. Brian McCann is expected to return to the Astros this Friday, according to MLB.com. He's been out with a sore knee and uh, Max Stacy has gotten almost all of the playing time at catcher with McCann out. So that's been a nice find for fantasy owners to get, get Max Stacy, uh, who'd been hitting for some nice power and, and get a little bit more playing time from him. But I think we can expect that to end this weekend with the uh, return of Brian McCann. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is going to have Tommy John surgery. He's been out uh, most of the season, uh, but now he's going to miss the rest of the season. And a very large chunk of 2019 as well. Uh, that was first reported by the New York Post. The Phillies have active, activated J.P. Crawford. And I'm um, going to just take a quick peek here and see what we've got in terms of a Phillies lineup. They're actually playing the Cubs at Wrigley. So that's a, a 8 o'clock start Eastern. So nothing for them yet. But we do have a White Sox lineup out in Central Time because the White Sox are always first with their lineup. We'll get to lineups a little bit. A little bit later. A few more news items to get to here. The Marlins have recalled Trevor Richards. He began the year, somewhat surprisingly, in the Marlins rotation. Didn't fare very very well, so they sent him down to AAA New Orleans, where he's posted a 2.06 ERA with spotless control. So hopefully coming back up uh, more prepared to uh, compete in the majors the second time around. And I think presumably he'll just go right back into the Marlins rotation. Uh, a couple of Mets reports here from Mike Puma of the New York Post. Uh, Jonas Cespedes ran in the outfield and ran the bases as well. Uh, will not uh, most likely be playing in this weekend subway series uh, against the Yankees, but uh, Mets officials are working on a plan for Cespedes' return. So that's one I guess we need to look at more closely for uh, next week. Uh, also, Mets officials have discussed releasing Jose Reyes. Uh, part of the holdup with that is that uh, they want to give Reyes, and this is, I'm, I'm quoting from Mike Puma's tweet here, uh, a proper send off. So uh, it sounds like that's sort of imminent, sort of imminent for Jose Reyes, but uh, uh, we'll see uh, exactly how that develops. And report here from the Los Angeles Times that uh, Albert Pujols is dealing with a sore left knee, and he may just need to take a couple of games off, uh, Angels off uh, tomorrow. So uh, might not see much of Albert Pujols this weekend, which uh, I guess I should look at the schedule and see what the matchups are, but unless they're facing a bunch of lefties, I would guess that that means some pretty regular playing time for uh, Luis Valbuena, but let's see. So this weekend, Angels uh, are going to be Uh, in Minnesota. So, uh, sorry if I thought the hold up here. So yeah, the scheduled starters, there are all righties. Lance Lynn, Kyle Gibson and Fernando Romero. So yeah, I think that sounds like a weekend full of starts for uh, Luis Valbuena. That would be my guess. The Rangers have released Tim Lincecum. So that experiment uh, just made it a few months, Uh, but uh, Rangers have moved on from Lincecum and uh, we'll have to see if he catches on with a, another organization. So I uh, promised we would get you back to looking at lineups, whole bunch out, and, of course, partially because we've got some day games. In fact, we've got three games in progress. We've already checked in on the Nationals and Rays. We'll check in on the other two games shortly. But uh, in 25 minutes, we have a first pitch in San Diego, and in half an hour, we got a first pitch in San Francisco, so uh, Padres hosting the Braves. It's Mike Fulton-Nevich and Matt Strom uh, starting off a bullpen day for uh, for the Padres. Uh, so a couple of notable changes for the Braves facing the lefty Strom, even though I'm guessing he's only pitching at best maybe two innings. Uh, but uh, there is no Ender uh, Inciarte in the starting lineup. Uh, of course, left-handed bat there. And uh, so you got Peter Borges getting the start in center field and batting eighth, and you got uh, Charlie, the son of Culber, well, you know, Charlie Culberson. I just like to play that game sometimes with people's names. Uh, Culberson batting sixth. Uh, sort of surprised to find that uh, his splits against uh, lefties actually not that great. He's been doing his damage lately against right-handers, but he's in there against the lefty Matt Strom. Uh, batting sixth for the Braves. And also, uh, the Padres lineup is out, but nothing too notable there. The Giants and Diamondbacks, both of their lineups are out. Again, that's a uh, 1245 Pacific time start. so a little less than half an hour. That one will be getting underway. Clay Buchholz and Chris Stratton tone the slab in that one. And no Buster Posey uh, in the day game. Not too surprising there. Uh, For the Giants, Nick Hundley, Behind the plate, uh, so uh, with uh, Hundley behind the plate, yet another start at first base for Pablo Sandoval. Uh, pretty much, though, a standard uh, Giants lineup otherwise. And uh, for the Diamondbacks, no Catel Marte. So you got uh, Daniel Descalso uh, at second, uh, Nick Ahmed at short, and uh, Alex Avila behind the plate there for the Diamondbacks. Uh, then, All the rest of the games are uh, nighttime games. We've got several lineups out uh, already for those. As I mentioned, the White Sox, that's actually the latest start that we have a lineup for. Uh, That's a uh, 7-10 Central Time start at Target Field. And uh, looking to see, yes, Matt Davidson is back in the White Sox lineup, uh, batting cleanup uh, against Jake Odorizzi and the Twins. It'll be uh, Hector Santiago going for the White Sox. And uh, we got the Pirates hosting the Dodgers. Uh, I believe that's supposed to be Caleb Ferguson tonight for the Dodgers. It's showing up uh, TBD in this particular lineup. But uh, Pirates are going to be sending Trevor Williams to the mound. And uh, outfield, there's going to be Meadows, Marte, and Dickerson. So uh, no Gregory Polanco uh, tonight for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, we got. Few more lineups out. I know we got ahead to, to break, I think about one minute, so I'm not sure we have time for that. Uh, I think just enough time for me to tell you that, as far as weather is concerned, nothing to worry about. Um, no significant chance of precipitation in any of the parks for uh, any of tonight's or this afternoon's games. So, just go set those lineups. Don't worry about the weather. However, I'm going to talk about one weather situation, not one that's going to delay or uh, cancel a game, but one that could affect your DFS choices. And I'm going to bring that up with Mike Leone of dailyroad.com, who's going to join us right after this break. Don't go anywhere.
0: Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day.
1: Well, back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and as promised... Joining us for this segment, talking nothing but DFS. (laughs) Been with us uh, before from DailyRoto.com, Mike Leone. Mike, thank you so much for uh, coming back to the show. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Al. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, always a pleasure for me, too. And uh, folks could and should check you out on Twitter. You've got uh, one of the most memorable uh, handles on Twitter, as far as I'm concerned, at two hats number two, one mic two hats one mic number two number one. Uh, for you know, for my money, that's uh, the the best Twitter handle this side of uh, Dutch Oven 45. So uh, people should definitely go check that out. So um, we've got. Yeah, I said at the beginning of the show that um, you know this is a it's a fun day to be a, a baseball fan and a fantasy owner because we got a, a good helping of day games. We also have a pretty healthy nighttime slate as well. And um, before we do get into that, I want to talk about one of the the games that's in progress, uh, that Rays Nationals game, that's absolutely not worked out for the Rays at all. They went with uh, Johnny Venters as their opener and then got five-plus innings out of Ryan Yarbrough. Uh, I I don't know how much longer they're going to go with this because it doesn't really seem to be working. But as long as the Rays are using, you know, the quote-unquote opener, you know, reliever who pitches one or maybe two innings. How do you deal with that in DFS? Does that affect how you deal with pitchers or hitters uh involved in in those games? Yeah, it can be difficult to decide exactly how to deal with it, uh,
0: especially, you know, the way our projection systems constructed, you know, we're projecting the hitters against the opposing starting pitcher and when you're facing Tampa Bay, it's not really the starting pitcher that you're facing. So uh, we have to, it causes us headaches, let's just put it that way, Al. So we have to, <laughs> you know, fudge some things and and get it to work out right. So you do have to keep in mind, you know, which pitcher are your bats going to get the most plate appearances against, you know, Yarborough uh, versus like a Sergio Romo or a Venters today. It's going to be a pretty big difference in what you're projecting. So it's definitely something to keep in mind and to know the when they're starting a reliever, um, just to be able to identify that right off the bat. Because, like Romo, a right handed pitcher who's tough on right handed batters versus Yarbo who's a left handed pitcher. It's a, a very big difference in the projection for opposing hitters. But I find it more interesting from the pitching side of things where Yarborough has, in particular, been a really undervalued fantasy asset. And part of the reason of that is ownership because he's not the scheduled starting pitcher on a slate people are generally not going to use him. You know, they're not comfortable using a reliever. We're never really in a spot where we're using relief pitchers in DFS, but this is a rare spot where it's, you're actually using the starting pitcher. He's just not getting the innings from the get go. And so you're getting a discount on ownership one, because people just aren't playing this pitcher. And two, it puts the starting pitcher in a better spot. I mean, that's part of the idea behind what the Rays are doing here where They have a reliever comes in, hopefully shuts down the top of the lineup, and then the starting pitcher is facing the middle of the order, the back end of the order. So they have a bit more time to get settled in. We're not going to face those three batters at the top of the lineup a third time through, most likely, because of where they're starting. So the performance could actually be a bit better. And with Yarbrough had a tough time today in this matchup against the Nationals, but he had 17 combined strikeouts his previous two outings. He had a matchup against Baltimore where he went seven innings pitched, gave up just one run, eight strikeouts. I think he was somewhere around 5% owned, and he was really, really cheap on DraftKings, where you can often use a cheap starting pitcher. So it's an interesting spot. I think you've got to be very familiar with who exactly is going to come in and get the long innings and if that pitcher's worth it. But uh, Yarbrough is someone we have been targeting uh, more than you might think at first glance.
1: Yeah, no, and there's I think there's very good reason to cuz like you say aside from towards the end of today's uh performance he's been really good uh and it takes a little bit of research but I mean in the uh, Tampa Bay Times you know they reported that it was going to be Yarborough pitching the bulk of the innings in this game so uh, you, you just can't go to, you know, the, the schedule page on MLB.com or wherever you go to look for that, <laughs> to find it. But with a little extra research, you can usually find out, you know, who, you know, basically the de facto starter is going to be. So, um, you know, the, I, I think that's a, a good thing for people to be aware of. Uh, yeah, and well, you, let, you let, can find that.
0: Some... No, I was just going to piggyback what you said. You, like if you search like the beat writers on Twitter and stuff, it is generally known who it's going to be so you're not really risking like taking a zero and being wrong and like Yarbrough doesn't pitch that day it's generally something that is known just
1: right. you have to find it yeah exactly exactly uh well let's let's get to tonight's slate like, because there's a lot of uh, interesting matchups to to uh to ponder um starting off who's the the pitcher to own tonight i mean my guess would be it would be aaron nola he's got the cubs uh and jose quintana but Shohei otani does have I think the much better matchup with the Royals. Uh, so is it one of those two or maybe somebody else altogether? I think it's one of those two. We actually prefer Shohei Otani
0: to Aaron Nola. It's close, but we've got Otani with a couple of projected points higher. And this Royals offense is 23rd in weighted runs, created plus against right-handed pitching. Uh, the issue is they don't strike out a whole ton. It's a 17.7% strikeout rate. But even with that accounted for, Otani's been generating so many swing and misses uh, that he still has our highest strikeout projection on the slate with seven. Aaron is really close. Uh, He went on an absolute tear in May, and we do have him generally pitching deeper into games. But he's a slight underdog with an implied run total against of four against the Cubs, whereas Otani's this massive favorite, minus 240 with an implied run total against of just 3.2. And that's really where the biggest difference between the two comes down, is uh, Otani's expected to give up less runs and much more likely in line for a win. And that's really what's creating the gap between him and Nola for us on the slate.
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, well, you've really impressed upon me in some of the past episodes when uh, you've been on the show about the importance of strikeouts. And you've got Lance McCullers going on, uh, going tonight, and he's uh, certainly reliable uh, on a per-inning basis for strikeouts. Uh, but you never know if he's going to go seven innings or if he's going to go three or four. Uh, and He's got a, a pretty tough opponent in the uh, Mariners, uh, and I think a pretty tough opposing pitcher in Wade LeBlanc, who's not maybe not great for DFS, but he's been really effective. So, you know, I see some strikes against McCullers. Um, pun seriously not intended there, but strikes against McCullers. This <laughs> matchup, uh, how do you sort all that out? Yeah, the biggest issue for us
0: with McCullers is just the price tag. You know, he's priced up there with Otani, with Nola, or at least not too far down. You know, on DraftKings, for example, Lance McCullers is at $10,500. you are getting Nola and Otani within that $1,000 range of him. And it's just difficult in a cash game setting to take that lower projection in McCullers and that volatility that you mentioned with McCullers. Now you get into a tournament setting, that, that's generally where I like to use McCullers, especially when he's pricey, because you never know when you're going to get the 10 K game uh, when he's on too, he's generating a ton of ground balls too. So it's a, a great combination for him. Um, but as you said, it, it's not like the best matchup in the world. And when you line it with the price, I know that's like the, not the most poignant thing to say here, but um, there's just not too much to it. He's just a, a little bit overpriced and just better for tournaments.
1: Uh, now, again, with the variability, I, you know that that certainly makes a lot of sense. Uh, now, I mentioned earlier, last I saw Caleb Ferguson was the uh, the starter tonight for the Dodgers, uh, but then I saw somewhere else that they just had it listed TBD. So, first of all, as far as you know, is Caleb Ferguson starting against the Pirates tonight? And secondly, is it worth a gamble uh, to to use him in DFS on his, for his major league debut? So we have Ferguson
0: currently pegged as the starter. Um, I don't have, you know, like you, I don't have the exact confirmation on that. So we'll wait and see. Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about using him right out of the gate here. Uh, One, it's just this is the type of pitcher that if you got him in like a 5k range on DraftKings, might be a cheap strikeout pitcher that you could use in tournaments but he's starting off the gate here with a 7100 hundred dollar price tag which is like a mid your mid-tier starter and the concern with him is how deep is he going to pitch into games you know he had two starts at triple a where he lasted just a combined eight innings pitched uh, he and his eight starts at double a he lasted just 39 innings pitch. So, a lot of strikeout upside. We've seen that from him in the minors, but the ability to work deep into games isn't going to be there. And the Dodgers, generally at the MLB level, have a pretty quick hook on their guys. And you're going into Pittsburgh, and people don't think about this much, but different parks the way they're set up, whether it's just the batter's eye, the amount of foul territory, and whatnot, actually have an impact on a pitcher's strikeout rate. And Pittsburgh is one of the parks that deflights the pitcher's strikeout rate a little bit, and this offense can be somewhat contact-oriented uh, against uh, against left-handed pitching, so all in all, I, I don't think it's worth it, but he's definitely an interesting name to watch moving forward because of the high rate we've seen in the minors. Well,
1: that's an interesting angle in terms of the dimensions of the stadium, uh, certainly something I don't give any thought to uh, when, when setting daily lineups, and I um, Sure enough, I, I went right to uh, Stat Corner. That uh, It's a very easy place to look up park cur- currencies and park factors. And, uh, yeah, they've got a below average uh, strikeout park factor uh, there in uh, PNC Parks. That's, that's a tidbit I'm definitely going to uh, carry with me, uh, carry that forward. Uh, there's one more pitching matchup that I find really interesting tonight. I think this is probably the game I'm going to be watching the most, and that's uh, the Tigers and Red Sox. Blaine Hardy, who I've just uh, – fallen uh, head over heels in love with uh, in fantasy picked up up everywhere I could. He's just been really good, Uh, but facing another starter. I like Eduardo Rodriguez. And so you've got, you know, a a couple of promising starters going there, but I'm also sort of fascinated by the Tigers lineup because they're super aggressive. And I've seen uh, just recently pitchers like uh, Marco Gonzalez not do very well in terms of strikeouts because he throws in the zone and the Tigers swing in the zone. Um, And uh, so Rodriguez is not really that type of pitcher. He's a lot wilder. This could be a great start for him. But then you factor in that the Tigers also typically hit lefties well. So again, so many different factors here. How do you uh, value both of these pitchers when there's so many variables at play? Well, it is
0: difficult. And I like Eduardo Rodriguez in this matchup. Our projection system has him rate pretty well. I know uh, when I was on a couple weeks ago, we talked about how late you kind of on t- you do the base projection with the base math, right? Just looking at a pitcher's K right in the split, their base lines, the base lines of the opposing hitters. But it's good to then layer in on top of that some of the stuff you mentioned with the swing data for opposing teams. So when we have someone like Eduardo Rodriguez who rates well against the Detroit Tigers. We have him with 6.6 projected strikeouts. He's a favorite uh, implied road total against is below four. You know, all that lines up and spits out that he's a pretty good value. And then you might expect him to have even more success than usual because of the fact that the Tigers are so aggressive. And you look at the plate discipline statistics for hitters against Eduardo Rodriguez this season, he is outside of the zone more often than league average. So um, that can get him in trouble against patient teams. But as you mentioned, the Tigers are aggressive. Uh, But he does get opposing hitters to chase pitches outside of the zone higher than league average. So I do like that combination going up against the tigers and when you layer it in on the fact that he's just a pretty good math play as is i definitely am on board with this
1: pick All right. Excellent. Well, that that helps me out a lot then. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's let's take a look at some lineups and see where we can find some some good hitters. uh, some bargain hitters. Uh, I was certainly drawn to the uh, Rockies Reds uh, matchup of uh, John Gray and Sal Romano. They've both struggled a lot. Uh, John Gray's not been good at home, but Great American Ballpark, of course, also a very good uh, hitters park. So is there a lot to like with either the Reds or the uh, Rockies lineups in this one?
0: Yeah, I really think both sides of the equation look pretty good here. And uh, in Cincinnati, it's the best hitters' park on this slate. And you look at a lot of the the parks on this slate. You've got you know a couple good ones good ones in the AL East with Toronto and Boston, but you've got some good pitchers' parks on this slate with Pittsburgh out west in Minnesota, um, St. Louis, LA. So. Uh, I think that matters a decent bit with the home runs you see there, and the issue that Gray's had—he's actually got a really good xFIP of 3.07, but his ERA is 5.68. And you got to ask yourself, okay, is he getting really unlucky, or is there something to that? And you look at his hard minus soft percentage so far this year—it's nearly 20 percent. You know, last year it was just 6 percent. So he's giving up a lot more hard contact than he has in years past. So that's definitely concerning. Um, I do expect him to pitch better moving forward, but in this tough park, um, you don't want to give up our contact because balls are going to fly over the fence. So uh, I do like the Cincinnati side of things, even though you do get the name recognition with gray, you get a bit more K upside. And then on the Colorado side, I know they're somewhere like dead last and way the runs created plus against right-handed pitching on um, the year when you account for their park factor and everything. But this is the team we were on as a contrarian stack last night against Base and that paid off. And we're back on them tonight. You know, even though they're outside of court, but again, it's a really good hitting environment. And Romano is just a really bad pitcher. You know, there's not uh, too much to add there. He's got a 5.60 fip a 5.05 XFIP. Uh, his K minus walk percentage is really bad, sub 5%, giving up a ton of home runs per nine because he's got a slight fly ball tilt, but he's another guy that gives up a lot of hard hit contact currently is a 35 hard percentage.
1: Yeah. Not good when you also don't miss a lot of bats either. So uh, that's, why no, that yeah, like there's, pretty... there's just nothing good there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, well, one other team that, that caught my eye in terms of matchup were the A's uh, they're going to be facing Bartolo Cologne uh, at Globe Life Park. And um, I mentioned earlier in the show, there's no issue tonight at all in terms of uh Precipitation, so all these games should go as scheduled. But this is the one game where maybe the wind plays a factor because the wind is going to be blowing in, I think, like in the low to mid teens miles per hour. Uh, I don't know if that helps uh, Cologne much at all. But the the A's hit righties really, really well, uh, especially for power. So uh, should the weather uh, dampen our enthusiasm for you know guys like Jed Lowry and Matt Olson or even uh, uh, Chris Davis or. Um, uh, should we just roll with as many A's as possible?
0: I think we should be rolling
1: with as many as possible.
0: They're our top stack in our content on DailyRoto.com. You mentioned, yeah, the wind is blowing in uh, around 15 miles per hour or so. And once it starts getting up past 10 miles per hour, we do start to pay attention to it a little bit. But as I mentioned on the slate, you know, there's a lot of good pitching environment. So Texas is still a good hitting environment, especially this game at start time is going to be over 90 degrees. Uh, and you look at some of the other hitters parks like Boston, for example, good hitters park, but it's going to be 60 degrees. It's going to be pretty cool there. So Texas is still up there with Cincinnati as one of the best hitting environments on this entire slate. And you look at Bartolo Cologne, somehow he's kept hitters to a two twenty-eight batting average of balls in play, despite a really, really high hard hit rate. Uh, he's been crushed by both whiteys and lefties since the start of last season. So When you put all of that together and the fact the athletics are cheap um, relative to some of the other top stacks, the Rockies, who we talked about, um, the Yankees on this play are in our top tier as well. You're just getting a good discount on Oakland with a big park shift in their favor.
1: All right. Well, excellent advice to uh, to cap off the discussion, Mike. So uh, thanks again for dropping in and uh, good luck tonight. Thanks. You too. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this break. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head it's the fantasy sports radio network app stop being a weirdo and streaming it online get it on your phone take it with you everywhere you go welcome back everybody this is the fantasy baseball hour i'm al melchior your host and i uh, want to thank our guest uh, mike leone Uh, Joined us last segment and and great advice and insight as always. Uh, So uh, thank uh, Mike for uh, dropping in and looking forward to the uh, the next visit. Um, Before we get on with, uh, well, what we typically do in this segment, which is look at the standout performances from the previous day or previous night. uh, One transaction of note here and uh, well-timed because uh, we wound up that last segment uh, with Mike Leone talking about the A's and their really good matchup tonight against uh, Bartolo Colon and the Rangers. Uh, One A you will not want to put in your stack is Matt Joyce because he has just been placed on the 10-day DL retroactive to June 3rd with a lumbar strain, and uh, replacing him on the 25-man roster is Nick Martini uh, coming up from AAA Nashville, so... Uh, There you have it. No Matt Joyce uh, as he goes on the DL. So, as I mentioned much earlier in the show, a lot of really notable pitching performances from Tuesday to get into. Uh, We got the obvious ones, uh, Max Scherzer, Corey Kluber, doing things that they typically do. We'll get to those in a second. And frankly, I'm not going to have too much to say because those guys are just consistently great and everybody knows it. Uh, But Andrew Heaney. He's been very good this year, maybe not consistently coming off of one of his uh, lesser starts. But uh, on Tuesday, he uh, shut out the Kansas City Royals, just gave up one hit. So he was uh, threatening with a a no hitter in that one. Uh, But he gets the complete game shut out uh, just four strikeouts, though, which is a little surprising. Although, as Mike mentioned on our previous segment, the Royals don't strike out a lot. So that could just be matchup related. Uh Heaney also just walking one batter in that one. So he's really uh since for the most part, you know, since uh joining the Angels rotation this year. I mean he's really uh for the most part been pretty consistent and uh and just good. Uh I would say not quite must start maybe, but definitely should be owned just about everywhere and uh, certainly part of the the conversation you have with yourself about who to put your rotation each week. Uh, And I think I even said on yesterday's show, sort of previewing the slate, I was looking forward to this one and I did, did watch a little bit of it uh, because I also was interested to see how Brad Keller would do. And one of the things that I specifically said, when I talked about Keller on Tuesday's show was I wanted to see how deep he would go into this game because he only threw three innings in his first start. And again, Keller just very recently being moved into the rotation from the bullpen where he pitched very effectively. So three innings the first time out, this time four and a third. So taking baby steps uh, towards those uh, five, six, uh, and eventually maybe seven inning starts for Keller. Uh, but, you know, maybe enough to make uh, a two-start week work for the owners who took, took the gamble uh, going four and a third against a, a very good Angels team. And allowing just one run really didn't give up much uh, hard contact in this one, as has been the case for him uh, pretty much all year long, whether in the the bullpen or the rotation. Uh, Just allowed one run on five hits with just one walk and just three Ks. You're not going to rightfully expect Keller to go out and strike out uh, anywhere close to a batter per inning. But it should be a lot of ground balls, a lot of soft contact in general. And, uh, you know, once he gets that, Pitch count and that inning count up could be somebody very useful pretty much in every other category. Uh, help you with whip and ERA and maybe wins, although, obviously, uh, given the Royals' offense, that might be a bit of an uphill climb. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, Max Scherzer and Corey Kluber were both in their Cy Young 4. Uh, uh, Scherzer went eight innings against the Rays, gave up two runs on five hits, no walks. And 13 big Ks for Max Scherzer. Uh, Kluber going seven innings against the Brewers. One run uh, on seven hits, no walks, and seven Ks for Kluber. So just typically stellar performances from uh, both of those fantasy aces. I I don't think, uh, even though he's got a Cy Young on his shelf somewhere, I don't think we would call Dallas Keuchel a fantasy ace. But... Well, put this in perspective, at least in terms of how I view him, uh, that I got uh, a question yesterday about whether or not to start him in a daily league. And while he hadn't been really at his best in the previous two or three starts, I said, well, Dallas Keuchel is still a must-start guy as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So that's how I view him. I mean, not an an ace. Uh, if, If he's your best pitcher, then... Unless you just have a, a whole bunch of like number two type starters, you're probably lagging in in your pitching categories. But he's a solid part of a of a fantasy rotation. But he just he hasn't looked like it lately, and he definitely didn't look like it last night against the Mariners. Uh, he did go six and two thirds innings, so going pretty deep in that start, but giving up seven runs on seven hits and a walk with only three strikeouts. And the the most bothersome part of the stat line for Dallas Keuchel is he did give up three home runs. And for somebody who has been as consistently elite as a ground ball pitcher over the last several years, it does seem like Keuchel has gone through a surprising number of stretches where he's homer prone. Uh, and and It's sort of like an on-off switch. I mean, either he has just not given up home runs at all, or he gives them up in bunches. And over his previous five starts, he had only allowed one home run. Uh, but he allowed three in this one uh, against the Mariners uh and as as far as the struggles he'd had again not with the home run, but was giving up a lot of base hits and the the three starts previous to this one, uh, Keuchel had a three eighty five BABIP, um which you know I'm just not getting worried about so i'm I'm basically running all of this down for you because I think that now there could be a perception if there was a perception before, Tuesday night, that Dallas Keichel was struggling. This is just going to cement that idea that, okay, it's not going well for Dallas Keuchel, but I think it's that you have two different things going on almost simultaneously, which aren't necessarily related. That he gave up a bunch of hit base hits in his previous three starts and then gave up three homers in this one. And, you know, it just might really be one truly bad start following... a a series of three starts where one of them was actually a pretty good start and the other two were just sort of mediocre and it might have really just been some bad Babbitt luck. So I don't think that things are as bad for Dallas Keuchel as they look right now. But certainly, you know, he's on watch. (laughs) We we have to be very interested in how he uh, performs the next time out. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, a couple of uh, stud. Uh, fantasy starters returning Madison Bumgarner pitching for the first time this year for the Giants pretty good you'd have to say overall Uh, made it six innings just giving up two runs Uh, did allow eight hits but no walks which is one of Bumgarner's calling cards is is great control and only three strikeouts uh, so that's maybe a little worrisome but again it's just his first start back Uh, he did however if you want reassurance he threw 82 pitches. So first of all, great control, great efficiency to get through six innings with just 82 pitches. And 10 of those were swinging strikes. So I'm, in that context, I'm not really too worried about the three strikeouts, to be honest. And the other thing that was sort of weird um, and in no sense encouraging about this start was he got 15 ground balls, which is not Baumgartner's usual MO at all. And that may be because he's facing a Diamondbacks lineup that has some ground ball hitters in it. Um, so it's one start. There's not not much sense probably in picking it apart to this degree. Uh, but, you know, that said, the overall line looks pretty good. And if you look a little bit behind it in terms of the 10 whiffs, uh, you know, there's, there's some things to feel good about there for Madison Bumgarner. I think it certainly could have gone a whole lot worse. Uh, and it did go a whole lot worse for Carlos Martinez. He only lasted four innings against the Marlins. And, you know, talked about Keuchel with these weird uh, stretches where he gives up bunches of homers. We've seen it with Carlos Martinez where he goes through these stretches where he has these games where he just walks everybody. And this was one of those against the the, the Marlins, which is why he only made it four innings. He did give up just two runs, uh, four hits, but he walked five batters in those four innings. Also did strike out five. Uh, but Martinez... Uh, through only 32% of his pitches in the strike zone, which is a pretty miserable rate. So I am certainly willing to chalk that up to a little bit of rust for Martinez. Uh, He's had plenty of of starts before, and he always bounces back. So especially to have a start like this after uh, some time off on the DL. um, I'm I'm not concerned yet uh, about Carlos Martinez. Uh, Some other notable pitching performances, Uh, Ross Stripling, excellent again against the Pirates. And we just heard Mike Leone last segment talk about how it's hard or harder to strike guys out at PNC Park just because of the stadium, not necessarily because of the batters. Uh, Well, Ross Stripling struck out seven Pirates in five innings and didn't give up a run. So that's pretty good. (laughs) Joe Busgrove, uh, his first not so good start since coming back off the DL, uh, made it five innings, gave up four runs, three of which, which were earned on six hits and a walk with five strikeouts. So you like the strikeout to walk ratio. And the thing with Musgrove coming into the rotation after spending the second half of last season with the Astros in their bullpen was that he performed so well in the bullpen because he was getting a lot more ground balls and missing a lot more bats. And granted, some of that you, you do see particularly the the increase in whiffs you see with the pitcher who's going shorter stints, going one inning, you know, one and a third, uh, as opposed to, you know, pitching five, six, seven innings as a starter. Uh, so, you know, it's encouraging to see that Musgrove has been getting the strikeouts. In this particular start, his third one was the first time where he didn't get the ground balls. Uh, four ground balls, uh, 12 fly balls uh, against the Dodgers. Now, just like, I'm willing to not put a whole lot of weight in the fact that Masson Bumgartner got a bunch of ground balls against the Diamondbacks. I'm not really concerned that Joe Musgrove didn't get the ground balls against the Dodger lineup that doesn't hit all that many of them. So again, not a great looking start in terms of the stat line, but I'm not discouraged. Uh, I'd feel confident in starting just Mo- Joe Musgrove uh, again going forward. Ronaldo Lopez, uh, he's been, for the most part, very good lately in terms of run prevention. And he threw seven scoreless innings uh, in game one of the doubleheader with the the Twins yesterday. So this was the day game uh, Lopez started. Seven scoreless innings, just gave up one hit. Four walks, that's, again, not unusual for Lopez. And four strikeouts. So not somebody who gives you a great strikeout-to-walk ratio, but a whole lot of soft contact induced this season, and particularly lately by Ronaldo Lopez. And even though with the the walks, he's gone deep into his games. Uh, Now, in his last six starts, he's gone seven-plus innings in four of them. Uh, On the season now, his ERA is down to 342. He does have a 229 BABIP. But again, uh, while that's probably going to regress some, he's got a 25% soft contact rate, which is quite high. Uh, So... If you need ERA, uh, Lopez is is your guy. If you need strikeouts, uh, not so much. Uh, Steven Wright uh, starting for uh, the Red Sox, in which uh, I think would probably be a a spot start, uh, giving the the rest of the uh, rotation uh, an extra day, and did his job. Uh, Seven scoreless innings, uh, two hits, three walks, six Ks against the Tigers. And incredibly, in this start, he had 22 called strikes, Out of 96 pitches. Bear in mind that a a normal rate is about 17%. So, a little over 22% there. And yet, that pales in comparison to what he had been doing in the bullpen. In his previous nine innings that he pitched in relief, his called strike rate was 27%. That's unreal. It's also a small sample. But nonetheless, uh, you know, doing a pretty good job of keeping up with that small sample in the seven-inning start uh, against the Tigers. and. I think he gets bonus points for the fact that it was against the Tigers and the Tigers, as I mentioned earlier in the show, and I've mentioned almost, I think it seems like every time I talk about a pitcher going against the Tigers, they swing a lot. And he got 22 called strikes against the Tigers. That's amazing to me. Uh, Sean Newcomb, on yesterday's show, I previewed this by saying, let's see if he can get some strikeouts against the Padres. He had been slumping a bit in that category, and the slump continues, even though. Newcomb pitched overall very well, Uh, six scoreless innings against Padres, three hits, three walks, four Ks. So that's actually been very typical of a Sean Newcomb start lately. Overall, very good, not giving up a lot of runs, uh, having some issues with walks, which has been something that he's dealt with for pretty much his whole career, minor and major league. Uh, but again, lately, not getting the strikeouts, uh, just four st- strikeouts uh, against the San Diego team that where he you would expect maybe he he gets at least six strikeouts in six innings. So we'll keep an eye again on Sean Newcomb, who's giving you some value, but definitely not the strikeouts that you were you were expecting. And last pitcher to get to here is Alex Cobb. Haven't really had to talk about him much this season because there's not been a whole lot really good. But uh, starting to turn things around. Uh, this start against the Mets on Tuesday, one run over six innings, only two hits allowed, only one walk allowed, and seven Ks, and that's good to see. It's you know maybe he and Newcomb have done a little you know trade off because uh, Cobb is typically something you don't expect to get strikeouts from. Got seven against the Mets. That is his second straight quality start, and he now has three quality starts out of his last, last four. So some modest uh, steps in the right direction for uh, Alex Cobb. And uh, only got a couple minutes left here. Fortunately, not because there was so much good pitching last night. There wasn't really a whole lot of uh, hitting to take note of. Really, though, the one team that ran up the score was the Braves last night. Um, But really, other than that, not too much to talk about. But worth mentioning that Carlos Gonzalez had a three-hit night at Cincinnati, hit his sixth home run of the season, and he's on a hot streak uh, his last eight games. He has gone 14 for 32. That'll work. Uh, Two homers, a double, a triple, and a stolen base. So I have had really no interest in Carlos Gonzalez at all this year. But, um, you know, again, it's uh, eight games. So it's not a large enough sample to get too excited about, but enough of a sample that uh, as you check your box scores in the morning, maybe uh, you just check in on on Cargo and and see if he's... uh, continuing this hot streak. Uh, Matt Olson has been hot as well uh, after a little bit of a swoon last month. Uh, three for five uh, against the Rangers last night. And now over his last 11 games, he is 14 for 41. That's a 341 average. And the thing that you really want to see from uh, Matt Olsen is the power. And he has now hit five home runs over his last 11 games. So uh, you can certainly feel confident about uh, starting uh, Matt Olsen going forward. And last hitter I'm going to zone in on here is uh, Xander Bogarts, who in his ninth home run of the season against the Tigers. Uh, He's got a 247 ISO. So while there was all kinds of debate this offseason about whether he was overvalued or not, he's certainly taking the power game way up this year. So on that note, thank you for joining me. Hope you join me again for Nando Thursday tomorrow. So see you then and have a good one, everybody.